Today, we're going to talk about the skill of friendship, which might not seem like a skill, but it's a skill that we need in, in all of our relationships. If you're married, you need to be good friends. If you're new to Denver and you're looking to build relationships, you need to learn how to build friends. If you currently are, have friends, you need to learn to, to be a better friend. We need to learn and grow in the skill of friendship because with friendship, everything is better. With friendship, everything is better. Here's how the Bible says this. This is just a verse that I, I love, kind of talking about community, but you can think about this in the context of friendship. In Ecclesiastes, it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. And he's going to talk about a lot of different things, but that's just a really practical thing, saying, man, if you're working together, there's, there's a greater reward. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Have you ever lifted up a fellow? You know, I mean, it's somebody, it's saying, man, if life is hard and you're struggling, there's a fellow for you. And, and then he says this, woe to him who's alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Without friends, man, it's, it's going to be hard when life gets hard, when life is financially hard, emotionally hard, spiritually hard. When life is hard and, and you don't have other people, woe to you. And then again, if two lie together, this is the cuddle verse, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? That's a lot of wives say that to their husbands. Many, how can one keep warm alone, you know? Unless you have a Snuggie. But it, the, the, point, <laughs> the point of that is to say that, man, it's just all, he's just kind of touching all these different areas, whether it's work or life is hard or even just thinking about, I mean, really, it's kind of talking about people working out in the fields and, and, they, and if they're like shepherds and, and they need to kind of be together, compact, you know, and it creates body heat. And though a man might prevail, talking about fighting, if a man might prevail against one who's alone, two will withstand him. So look, if you get jumped, if it's just one-on-one, you're going to lose. But if there's, if there's two, man, you'll be able to fight. But even better, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And you look, think about a rope or some sort of, you know, kind of, I guess just a rope. If you think about a rope and it's bound together, you know, by multiple threads and it's, you, can't, you can't break that. And this is what he's saying. Think about this, just of how the Bible talks about community or talks about friendship, which is to say relationships that are intertwined, that are connected, that are interdependent. We need those. Life is so much better with those. Tons of research, tons of studies show this as well. Um, This is just a recent article from the Washington Post, and I'm not even going to go into all the different things, but just as more and more research shows, friends are good for your health, that you live longer with friends, that without friends, loneliness, the risks are as high as if you smoke 15 cigarettes a day. That it's, I mean, if you, you need friends, they're good for your psychological well-being, your spiritual well-being, your emotional well-being. And, and friends are so important that even recently, it's interesting, in kind of 2018, in our culture, a lot of, you know, I know a lot of you, you know, you, you still want a romantic relationship or you want kind of that significant other. But a lot of people are even saying recently, man, I just want, I want friends even more than that. I just want friends that there's a lot of things. This is a, just about a year, a year old from the Atlantic, and it says the romance of women's friendship. And it's not really talking about romantic relationship. It's just saying that Abby and Lana are best friends and also very likely the loves of each other's lives, that platonic relationships can be as filling as the romantic counterparts. A lot of women are saying, man, I just want a close gal friend. And dudes, the same thing. It's, this is from Time. It says men are more satisfied. This is a study shown. Men are more satisfied by bromances than their romantic relationship, study says. So, and th- I mean, this is, this is, people want, they want friends, right? And more and more people are even saying, eh, if I can't get a romantic relationship, I don't really care. I just want a bromance. I just want a girlmance or whatever that is, whatever that's called. 
So we want friends. We want friends. Life is better with friends. And yet, here's what happens. You do the hard work of building friendships. And some of you know this, right? You do the hard work of building friendships. You build relationships. You build friendships. And then life changes. And then life changes. This article is from a couple years ago, and it says why 30 is the decade that friends disappear and what to do about it. It's just talking about this issue that here's what happens. You, and you, maybe you're not 30 yet or not in your 30s yet, maybe in your 20s, and this is the doomsday prophecy for you of what's going to happen. Your friends will disappear. But here's what happens. It's just life changes, right? You're in college, you got close friends, and then you move out. And I know some of you moved away from your college, and you're, oh man, those are the best years of my life, the best friends I've ever had. And you move from that, and you got to start over. Or you get a new job, right? Man, you, here's what happens, right? You do well at your job, you get promoted, they send you to the big city, you come to Denver, and now you got to start over again. No friends. Or maybe you are married, and you get divorced, and then you got to start over. New friends. Or maybe you have kids, and, and then that kind of changes some of the relationship dynamic, and you got to build new friendships. Or you're single, and you get married, and that can change some of your relationship dynamic, and you have to start over. We, we, do the hard, we, we love friends. It's good for your health. The Bible says it's important, and we do the hard work of building friendships. But oftentimes, and I think this is especially true in a city like Denver, and especially for those that are younger, but not, not even those that are younger, you have to hit the reset button because a life changes and it gets difficult. It gets difficult. And what, what, what maybe you spent a lot of time building up, now you have to restart all over again. And adult friendship is hard. In the last few years, there's been tons of, I mean, probably, you know, five years ago, there wasn't that much written about friendship and 10 years ago, even not that much. But in the last few years, there has been so many articles and research and studies done just on how difficult it is to build adult friendships because of a lot of this stuff. And some of you are like, yeah, I know. Thank, thanks for reminding me. But, but, it, but it's true. It's, it's very difficult. This is, whether it's because, this is just, I'm going to show you kind of a spattering of articles. This is the New York Post, and it's just talking about nobody has real friends anymore. And just talking about how technology is changing. Technology is changing how it makes difficult to build friendships because we are connected with all these different people, but that doesn't mean that we're actually friends with them. Or from time, it says how to make friends as an adult and why it's important. And friends, this is just saying friends may be more important than family, new research finds, but, but also just saying how difficult it is to actually have it. From Salon Magazine says you're not alone and feeling alone. Why it's so hard for adults to make friends. It's so hard for adults to make friends. Or from the New Yorker, and all these are recent, this is less than a year ago, how to make friends as an adult from the New Yorker. And, and in this article, she's got this uh, picture that she shows of kind of these friends getting together. And here's what the, the tagline down here says. It says, the kind of dinner parties we think about while we watch TV and eat leftover takeout. Right? And <laughs> there wasn't as much laughter on that, probably because they're like, no. <laughs> you know? But it's, it's just talking about how it's difficult as adults, to make friends. On Reddit, somebody, or this is not Reddit, I'll get to that one in a second. This is NPR um, from a couple months back. says, Americans are a lonely lot and young people bear the heaviest burden. And there's research showing that most Americans, most Americans say, I'm lonely. Most. Okay, so if you feel, man, I'm, I'm lonely or I'm alone, that's most people feeling that way. It's an epidemic right now that a lot of people are talking about. It's worse than smoking, worse than obesity, worse than all these things that you've kind of heard about in kind of medical news and talking about how loneliness is killing us. This says more than half of survey respondents, 
said they always or sometimes feel that no one knows them well. 56% reported they sometimes or always felt like the people around them are not necessarily with them. And two in five felt like they lack companionship, that their relationships aren't meaningful and that they are isolated from others. This is what most Americans feel. If you feel this, this is what many, many people are feeling as well. And then this is just from Reddit saying, hey, people that have friends, how? Simple question. Just, hey, how? 46.2 thousand people kind of following this. 7.1 thousand comments. This person says an extrovert finds you and adopts you. It's very, it's very simple. It's very simple. This person says, how do I sign up for adoption? By the way, this is Fluffy Top Hats that says this, which I just, I just love his name. For a while, I was like, what is Fluffy Top Hats? Or what is, ah, Fluffy Top Hats. And then this person says, unfortunately, it seems like a lottery system. I was just lucky enough to get picked before they knew what happened. <laughs> so we want friends. We want relationships like this. And yet we do the hard work. Life changes. We have to start over. And as an adult, it's very difficult to build friendships. And here's kind of part of why I go through this. I want you to know that, I want you to know two things. One, I want you to know that it is, if you want friends, that's normal. Sometimes I think even in the church, there's a little bit of a stigma to say, I'm lonely. There sometimes can be this stigma to say, man, I feel alone. I feel lonely. And yet most Americans feel that way. And if NPR can be honest about it, we need to be honest about it. To be able to say, man, we might be, you might feel right now, I'm alone. And there's nothing wrong with feeling that way or saying that because you are designed for relationships. The Bible says, God says, you need this deep connected relationship. You need that. Science says it, research says it, whatever. But God says you need, you need deeply connected friendships and relationships. And so I want you to see, one, that it's normal that you might feel that way, that it's normal to want friends, that's not bad, and that it's normal just culturally, a lot of people are experiencing that. It's not just you. And yet, there is a way. There is a way to build friendships. There is a way to grow in the skill of friendship. So no matter where you are in your kind of relationships, maybe you're new, right? You're new to Denver, maybe you're new to this church, and you're kind of having to, you're, you're right at that threshold of, I'm hitting the reset button in my relationships. And so I hope today that you're able to learn a little bit of what does it look like? How can I, can, maybe you've been bad at making friends in the past. What does it look like to kind of hit the reset button and be able to build friendships? But maybe you've got friends. Maybe you've got friends already, but we need to grow in the skill of being good friends. You know, even, and I'm not, I was, I'm, I'm not going to throw up all the research or studies on this, but even in what the, there's a man named John Gottman, who's one of the most famous and kind of well-known marriage researchers who can predict with, I think it's like 90% accuracy, whether people are going to get divorced. And he says that friendship, all the different books, all the different research, he says friendship is the core of what makes a marriage actually work. So it doesn't, like, don't just hear this of like, oh, you're kind of looking for you know, friends and you're single or looking for other coupled friends. But this is true whether it, you're thinking about your kids or you're thinking about your spouse or you're thinking about, you're thinking about being new to a city and building new friendships. We need to grow in the skill of friendship. We need to go grow in the skill of friendship. And there is a way, though it is hard, there is a way to develop friends. And, and this is what we are going to talk about today. And let me also just tell you this. I don't want to kind of say, hey, this is 
the most important sermon or anything like that. But I, but I will tell you that I've been looking forward to probably preaching this sermon the most of everything in this series because this is so much, I, I want this so badly for you. Like if you're lonely, I want you to have friends. And if you have friends, but you still feel like, man, I just kind of feel stuck or I, I'm not doing it exactly right or it doesn't seem to kind of be clicking the way it's, I want that for you. And, and if you have friends and, and they're there and they're present and it's, it, man, you need to know the skills to continue in that relationship. Especially for those of you that are married, I think about, because a lot of times you form this friendship and you're dating and, okay, now we have it. And then what happens is the friendship starts to crumble. And so I want this for you. Um, I, I really do. And so I hope that this will help no matter where you are in your journey. So how do we develop better friendships? How do we develop better friendships? Well, let's start with this. We're just going to start with the practical stuff, which is how do we cultivate friendship? I'm going to give you four things of what we need. And, and look, honestly, there's, there's more than this. There's more than this, but this is how we cultivate friendship. When I say there's more than this, I would say all the things we've even talked about so far in the relationship series of, man, you have to be vulnerable and you have to let people get to know you and you have to ask good questions. That's part of how you cultivate friendship, how you handle conflict and how you're gracious and how you deal with those different from you. All of that stuff is a part of how you cultivate friendship and all of that helps in your relationships. But we're going to talk about four specific practices and we're going to begin with this. You have to have a mindset shift. You have to have a mindset shift. And here's what, here's what I mean. Oftentimes we think, I want to find friends. I want to find some friends. Maybe you're new here, and you go, okay, I'm, I'm showing up to church. Maybe this was really hard for you. Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. Maybe it's kind of scary. We, we get that. And you might come in and feel like, man, I want to find some friends. I want to find some friends. But we have to have a mindset shift because you do not find friends. You make them. You do not find friends. You make them. And, and here's what I mean. We, we all want close friendships. You want a close friend. You want people that are, you know, that BFF, and you might not even think about it that way, but just, I want, I want my people. I want close friendships. I want close relationships. But here's the reality. All friendships, and if you have a best friend, and, and maybe they live here, or maybe they live somewhere else, if you have a best friend or ever had a best friend in your life, all BFFs, all best friends, all close friends started as acquaintances at one point. They all started as acquaintances. This is, uh, by the way, today is, uh, this is from the most recent um, thing, uh, the most recent issue of The Atlantic. It's the September 2018 issue. So we're actually in the future. Um, but this is in honor of today, which I didn't know this before preaching, but today is International Friendship Day. So this is a great day to talk about this. I love that there's like claps. Yes! Um, how to make friends according to science. And the one thing they put in the subtitle here is to begin, don't dismiss the humble acquaintance. To begin, because here's the thing. We want friends. We want to find them, but you don't find friends. You make them. And a lot of times the problem is this. We say, okay, I'm looking for that friend I used to have. I'm looking for that close friend I used to have. And so you kind of size up everybody and compare everybody based on their qualities compared to your best friend or to what a good friend is. But that's such a high standard to me. And all best friends and all close friends start as acquaintances. And all of this is getting back to this point, which is we do not find friends, we make them. We don't find friends, we make them. Now look, the Bible says the same thing. 
The Bible says the same thing. The Bible doesn't say how to find friends. The Bible doesn't tell you, hey, you want to find friends? Here's what you do. But you know what the Bible says? What the Bible says is what a friend is and what a friend does. It says the kind of things that a friend does. And here's what Proverbs says. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. So you can text, if you have a brother, you can text him that. This is just saying, hey, if you've got family, man, they're, they're there. They're there when stuff is, is really hard and you kind of call on them. But a friend, a friend loves it all times. But, but look at what this is saying. It's not saying, here's how you go find a friend. It's saying, you know what a friend does? You know what a friend does? A friend is somebody that is loving all the time. A friend is somebody that does things. A friend is somebody that is loving you all the different times in your life and all the different scenarios in your life. And the Bible doesn't actually, the Bible talks about friendship, but it doesn't say a lot about it. But it says a lot about love. It says a lot about love and what love looks like and how we are to love. And and here's what this means. Here's what this means. You do not find friends, you make them. And you make them by loving people. You make them by loving people. You make them by saying, who can I love? How can I show up in relationship and start loving somebody? And that is what creates a friendship. That's what cultivates a friendship. But if you walk into a room and say, okay, who, who's kinda, who do I like? So here's the problem. If you're thinking from a find friends standpoint, you think about this. Who do I like? Who do I connect with naturally? Who do I have a chemistry with? And that's kind of the grid of, of I'm looking for a friend, so I'm looking for somebody I like. But I don't like them. I don't like them. I don't like them. I'm looking for a friend. And so I'm looking for someone I have a chemistry with or kind of a buzz with. Or I'm looking for somebody that just go, oh, man, that's, they get me. I get them. That's not a friend. That's not a friend. That's just somebody that you like. A friend is somebody that loves. A friend is someone that you have loved over time, and that is what develops a friendship. You don't find friends. You make friends. A friend is somebody that you have loved, not just somebody that you, there's a lot of people that I like. Maybe I, you know, met them somewhere or, you know, used to, but that doesn't mean they're my friend. There's people that I go, oh man, I would love to be friends with them, but I'm, I don't, you know, I met them at a conference or whatever, and, you know, I'm going back to, going back to my, my life. But A friend is not somebody that you just like or feel some sort of connection or chemistry with. A friend is somebody that you love, that you have loved, that you have done the practices of love with over time. Now, here's what this means. This means it takes time to actually develop a friendship. If a friend is not someone you just kind of feel this instant synergy with, but it's someone that you have loved over time, that means it takes time to actually build a friend. If you're not supposed to find friends, but you're supposed to make friends, that means it takes time. It means it takes time, and it means you can only do this with really a small group of people. I'm not saying that you can't be nice and you can't be loving with all sorts of people, but you can really only have deep friendship with a handful of people. That's just reality, because a friend is not just someone you like. A friend is someone that you have developed a friendship with. Now, let me just be kind of honest with this, because this presents a tension. If this is true, it presents a tension of we want to be as a church, and, the, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, and the Bible calls us to be a community that's welcoming, that's including of people that are new, that's including of people different from us, that's, that's always open community, not closed. We want to be that. 
We strive to be that. And that's what God actually says is part of a healthy relationship. But if a friend is not just this, it's just us and nobody else. But if a friend is not just someone you like, but a friend is someone you have loved over time, and I mean, just practically, you can only do that with a handful of people. How do those things fit together? That's a real tension that I think is even presented in the Bible's vision of community. And I think there's a lot that could be said about that. I could probably preach a whole sermon about that. But, but let me just offer you a couple thoughts. Because maybe you even feel, man, I feel like people are exclusive. I feel, I feel like I, I, it's hard to break into relationship with people. But here's the reality. You can't expect to be deep with people, to be deeply connected with people just because you like them. And I think a lot of times that's what ends up happening is we go, I like those people. How come I can't be friends with them? They won't let me in. How come I can't? I like them. But a friend is not somebody that you like. It's somebody that you have loved over time. And and you can't expect to be friends with someone if you haven't loved them yet. And they and you are limited in how many people you can actually love in this kind of way. So here's just some practical advice. Here's some practical advice if you don't just find friends, but you make them. If you're, if you're new to whatever context that might be, so if that's here at the church or maybe it's um, at work or somewhere else, if you're new, I would encourage you to go focus on people that are new because their relational capacity hasn't been capped out yet. And if you're old, not in age, but if you're old, in the sense of you've kind of been around, whether you've been at work for that, you know, your, your work for a while, or you've been around at the church for a while, you've kind of been around for a while, here's the opposite tension that is my advice for you, is you need to think about spheres of relationship and spheres of community. You can only realistically have a small group of people that you are really cultivating deep friendship with. But as a Christian, you're called to love everybody. You're called to love, uh, the Bible even says in some, some of its letters writing to the church, it just says, the, we are the friends. And so if you have an attitude of, you're not my friend, that's absolutely antithetical to what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that the church is a group of friends. But there's also warrant to say, hey, you know, Jesus had 12 disciples, and he was really close with three of them, and even one of them, probably even closer, called the disciple that Jesus loved, John. Well, didn't he love all of them? Yeah, he did. But why was, it given, why was he given this kind of special moniker? See, it's, it's, there's these two tensions of you, you need to not find friends, but make them. You need to not look for a friend, but develop a friend. Which means practically, from a bandwidth standpoint, that can only be done with a handful of people. And yet, we're still called to be a welcoming community. So, This is point number one, which is that friends are made, not found. So work at loving people. Work at loving people. Work at loving them. Is that your approach to friendship, by the way? When you think about friends, is your approach to friendship, hey, I know that most people I meet are just going to be acquaintances, but I'm going to work at it. I'm going to make friends, not find them. If, If we want to develop friendships, that's where we have to start. And then second, is we have to build consistency. How long do you think it takes to make a friend? How long do you think it takes? This is, according to science, this is from uh, Inc. According to science, here's how long it takes to make a friend. 
it takes around 50 hours of time together to make the leap from being a basic acquaintance with someone to a casual friend. 50 hours of time. That's a lot. That's a couple hours a week for, for a year. Like that's, that's, if you see someone and go, okay, right now we're just acquaintances. Now I'm a casual friend. That's, that's 50 hours. And then if you want to even go beyond that, presuming you still get along after that much time together, which, you know, that's not a given. The next stage is to put in 90 hours together to become more than just casual friends and 200, over 200 hours to consider each other close friends. That's about two years for most people. So this is, look, it's hard to make friends. And one of the things it takes to build friendships is building consistency into your life. Sometimes, and I, I get sad when I hear people go, oh man, I don't have friends. And, but look, it takes a long time. If you want to move beyond acquaintance, it takes building consistency into your life. It takes 200 hours of time before you would say, yeah, that person's a close friend. That's a lot of time. Look, sometimes you read the Bible, right? And you go, man, it seems like this great community and people had this, this awesome stuff. And Acts 2 is this kind of famous passage in the Bible that talks about everybody was together and, and they were uh, you know, sharing all their different needs with each other and there was no needs in the community and God was doing awesome things through the community and all these amazing things to happen. But what created the context for these close-knit relationships? And in this passage, it says, all who believed were together had all things in common. And I kind of cut out some parts of this because I just want to focus on this. But it says, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, different contexts even. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. You see what this is? Look, how do you get the close community even that the Bible talks about, that the, that the church was, that if you're a church person, you've kind of been around the church, you, you kind of know, man, the, the, I, why can't we be like what the Bible says community is? This is the context that created that. It's the same thing that science and research shows today is in order to get close friendship, there has to be consistency built in. There has to be consistency built in. Now, this is actually good news. It's good news because it means that a friend is, you don't have to kind of find that magic friend. You go, okay, I, I met them. Man, we totally clicked. I finally found, you actually don't have to look for that. Your standard can be really low. Right? I mean, it's good news because it just means, man, are they breathing? Are they talking to me? Well, give me 200 hours and let's see what happens. You know? I mean, and I'm not, I'm not really joking. I mean, it's, research does show that the longer you're just with someone, the more that you begin to develop an affection for them, you begin to care for them, you begin to understand them, you begin to like them. There's even research that says the longer you look at someone, the more attractive that they become to you, you know? So it's good news. It's good news that you don't have to find this unicorn best friend. You just need to build consistency into your life and see what God can do. Now, you might think, that's too much work. That's too much work. Sometimes we even look back at our childhood and go, man, it used to be easy. Why, why do we have to have a sermon on friendship? I used to have so many friends. It was so easy. You just, everyone's out in the street playing basketball or football or, you know, at school I've got friends and at church I had friends and at this, you know, soccer club I had friends and what, it just, I had friends and it was easy. I didn't have to work at it. I didn't have to study friendship. I didn't have to think about the skill of friendship. I just had them. But here's the reality. Your friendships when you were a kid or in college or even whatever context you kind of look back on, those were not automatic. What was automatic was the consistency. 
The friendship was never automatic. What was automatic was consistency because you went to school for eight hours a day and you lived in the dorms next to them or you lived right next door to them and you were all out on the street every day playing basketball till the lights went down or whatever. Like, that's what I did. I don't know what, I wasn't good. I'm just saying that's what I did, you know. But I mean, whatever you did, it was just like you, the consistency was built in. You were on a team, you were on a club, you weren't inconsistent, but that's not reality in our life anymore, right? Like, it, you've got to fight to build consistency in your life. Now, if you want to cultivate friendships, you have to have a mindset shift from, I'm not going to find them, I'm going to make them, and you've got to build consistency in your life. You've got to find ways now to do that. There's a lot of ways you can do that. One of them is what you're doing right now, which is being at church. And you got to maximize this time, which means come early and stay late and hang out with people. And that's part of why, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but part of why we really value community groups, where there's a consistent weekly rhythm built in. You can get your 50 hours just by doing that. Of just a weekly rhythm that says, I'm consistently with people. I'm eating with people. I'm, this is why it can be good to even think about your, your housing choices of where am I going to live to think about being close to your friends so that there's opportunity for spontaneity. It, this is why it's important to think about if you're married, building in date nights and things like that that regularly are in your calendar to build consistency of cultivating a friendship. This is why it's important to eat together. It's why it's important to vacation together, to plan things together. All of this just builds consistency and gets you to that 200 hours, 300 hours, 400 hours. So you need to build consistency. You need to build consistency this also means, under this point, that you can't just make friends, that if it's about building consistency, you have to maintain those friends that even you already have. You can't just go, okay, I, I, I made a friend, now I got him. You, if you want to have healthy friendships, this is part of why, again, for marriage, date nights, and things like that, you've got to maintain them. You have to work at maintaining them. Proverbs says this, do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. And this is important, again, because it's saying, look, even when things are hard, sometimes you have this tendency to go straight to your family, which is important, but don't forsake your friend. You have to keep building relationship with your friend. And we were talking about love and how that's really what a friend is. There's a lot of calls in the Bible that are very simple like this that just says, let brotherly love continue. And there's a lot of things in the Bible that say something like, hey, you, I already know you love each other, but don't let that stop. Love has to keep going or the friendship dies. Look, when, when I was a kid, I, I used to live um, in this one town. We were moving to another town. And I remember, I think I was like, I just showed this video to my kids on vacation, like a home video thing. And they were very confused, by the way, of like, how would you get it on that disc? Like, it's not on your phone? Like, I don't understand where that video came from, you know? <laughs> it was really interesting. It's like, well, actually, this came on a disc from a VHS tape, which is even further, you know? Um, anyways, but I, when I was like seven or eight, I sang this old church, Michael W. Smith, you know, friends are friends forever, if the Lord's the Lord of them. Because we were, we were moving towns, right? Thanks, thanks, appreciate the laughs. Um, <laughs> if I was seven, that would have not gone over well. But uh, this lady's laughing at me in the front row, Mom. Um, so <laughs> when I sang that when I was seven, like friends are friends forever, if the Lord's, I don't talk to any of those people. I, I probably didn't talk to him like two months later because the friends are not friends forever. That does not happen unless you're consistent and unless you're maintaining the relationship, unless you're actually around those people. I think my mom was like, hey, did you see what so-and-so was doing on Facebook? I'm like, I'm not friends with them on Facebook. I'm not friends with them in real life. I don't want to know. Don't tell me about their life. 
<laughs> but you saying it, it doesn't matter, Mom. All right, that's that's second point. Build consistency. Third is this: you have to keep initiating. You have to keep initiating. And there's a an old pastor author from the 1800s. His name is uh, Hugh Black, and he says this. We lament that we have no staunch and faithful friend when we have not really expended the love which produces such. The secret of friendship is just the secret of all spiritual blessings. The way to get is to give. Jesus says that you're more blessed in giving than receiving, and he's saying this is true of all things. Jesus says you lay down your life. That's how you actually find it. He says, yes, this is the secret of friendship too. The way to get is to give. Instead of lamenting that no one invites us for a meal, that our church is so unfriendly and that everyone relates at such a superficial level. Let us take the initiative to open our homes and lives and see what happens. You see, we have to keep initiating. This is one of the most important practices of friendship. Here's how uh, Thessalonians says this. He says, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Now, here's why I put this verse here, because this is important. He, a lot of times, here's what we think. A lot of times we think that friendship needs to be reciprocal. So I invite you, then you invite me. I invite you to dinner, then you invite me to dinner. I invite you to, you know, go, uh, you know, whatever, check out a new restaurant, you invite me to check out a new restaurant. I invite you to uh, grab a drink, you ing- invite me to grab a drink. What, that it's got to be this reciprocal thing. But you know what Hugh said, and you know what Thessalonians says? It says, it's not reciprocal. You see, love comes from you being taught by God. It comes from you experiencing something from God, and then you give that to others. That the onus is always on us to initiate. Because if we are taught to love by God, that means we are taught to initiate by God, and that we don't have to wait for somebody else to give something to me, but I'm able to receive from God and give to others. That's how God has loved us. He says, look, brothers, I want you to do this more and more. He doesn't say, look, do it a little bit, and if they do it to you, then do it back. He says, I want you to receive from God, be taught by God, and then to love them. To receive and then to love. So this is really important. We need to keep initiating. You need to keep, look, most relationships, this is true in all the research I've done on this and just experientially. Most relationships have a primary initiator in them. That might be you. Uh, maybe it's not. If you think about your closest friend, that's kind of even the Reddit thing. Get adopted by an extrovert, right? They're saying, hey, if you want friends, you've got to find someone that's going to initiate with you. And that's fine. But the Bible calls all of us to that kind of love. See, all relationships have a primary initiator. Somebody that's the one saying, look, my closest relationships that I've ever had, I'm, and it's not because they don't like me, I'm always the primary initiator. To my brother, hey, let's have a, you know, let's go camping. Hey, let's go, let's uh, go to Disneyland. Hey, let's go river rafting. Hey, let's go, and I'm always trying to connect with my brother. And we're super close friends. But I'm always the one initiating the relationship. If, if it's, um, if you think about in a lot of your friendships, that you go, how did I develop that best friend? You might have been the one that was mainly the one saying, hey, come over for dinner. Hey, let's get coffee. Hey, let's, and you were the primary initiator. Most relationships have a primary initiator. Now, if you can find someone like that and get adopted by an extrovert, great. But if not, what the Bible calls us to is to say, we're supposed to receive this from God and give it to others and not wait. It's not a game. It's not a 50-50 if you give a little. I mean, 
So if you, if you text somebody and you say, hey, let's hang out, and they say no, then text them again. I don't mean like 30 minutes later, but text them again. Like, <laughs> like hey, did you change your mind yet? You know? I mean, but text them the next time. And the next, and if, if as long as you're getting like a third, I don't know the magic number, okay? But as long as you're getting a third responses of, yeah, let's do it, then great. I mean, don't stalk somebody. But if, if people are giving you some sort of yes, then go with it and don't go, well, it's their turn next. You won't develop friendships if that's how you approach it. If you wait for it to be 50-50, if you wait for somebody to reciprocate, you probably won't develop friendships. You have to be the one that says, I'm going to reach out. And as long as somebody says yes a good chunk of time, then go with it. And don't worry about it being reciprocal. This is what Thessalonians says. This is what Hugh says. Let me also say this. And look, I'm Facebook friends with a lot of you, but I don't want you to think I'm talking about anybody in this room because I, I don't base my sermons on Facebook. Don't post on Facebook. See, sometimes what we do is we say, hey, does anyone want to go hiking with me? And post it up on Facebook. Nobody responds. I initiated. Hey, does anybody want to go see you know, the game with me? I initiated. Nobody responds. Hey, does anybody want to you know, check out this new restaurant? I initiated. Nobody responds. That's not initiating. That's throwing it up on Facebook. And the problem with that is the reason we do that is because it's a lot safer. Right? It's a lot safer. You, you, there's a lot less rejection than texting somebody and saying, do you want to go on a hike with me today? And them saying, no. <laughs> no reason? No, just no? You know, can you at least lie to me, please? You know, are you busy? No. Are you like, just no, okay. <laughs> I mean, but it, it's a lot riskier to just ask somebody because we fear rejection, right? I get that. Okay, like I get it. It's scary to do that. It's scary to reach out to somebody and say, will you hang out with me? Will you come over to dinner to my house? Will you? That is scary. But if we want to build friendships, this is the way to do it. Look, you, can't, you don't post up on Facebook and say, does anyone want to marry me? That's not, it doesn't work, right? <laughs> it takes fear of rejection saying, will you be my friend? Will you come over to my house and to keep initiating, to keep initiating for 200 hours? Is this what you do? Or are you waiting? Let me also say this under keep initiating is you've got to give freedom to people to not want relationship with you. Like you have to give freedom to people to reject you because they might be maxed out relationally or they might not like you. I'm not trying to be mean, but maybe they don't like you. And you got to give freedom to people for that, right? If you're dating somebody, you know that. You don't just keep stalking someone and saying, no, but why not? Like, any, let me just, it's usually guys. So guys, if a girl says, no, don't say, why not? Because you, she's not going to tell you. And if she did, you would cry, you know? <laughs> so, so just... <laughs> All the ladies are laughing. No guys are, um, <laughs> except for the married ones. But um, so give people freedom to, to not reciprocate. That's okay. There's other people. 
And then fourth is this, your, your, your friendship, you want to develop friendships, you've got you've to think about not finding them, but making them. You've got to think about building consistency, keep initiating, and then lastly, you have to have a purpose in your friendships. Look, you know this, the, you, you, uh, the, probably some of the closest friendships you had came out of some sort of team context, right? Some of the closest friendships, I, I went on a mission trip in college um, to, to Russia, and every single person on my team, I was like, these people are stupid. So I'm not saying that I was holy. I'm just saying that's what I thought, okay? And, and that was a long time ago, okay? So I was in college. I'm much better than that now. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was like, these people are all dumb. And then guess what happened? Being on a mission together six weeks in Russia, man, I loved all those people. I loved all of them. And some of it's just consistency. Some of it was the hours put in. But a lot of it was we were on a mission together. You might have felt this if you were on a sports team and you kind of met some people and you're like, ah, you know, I don't know. But you're on a mission together. And so you begin to like them. You begin to develop your relationships. Your friendships have to have a purpose to them, a mission to them. When they do, mission builds community. Mission always builds community. If there's a purpose to the relationships, it builds community. If you have a purpose, it will build community community. So think about this. Even again in the Bible, you look at how do they have this close friendship? How do they have this close community? How did they have this? You know why? It was because those relationships had a purpose to them. Those relationships had a deeper purpose beyond let's just be close. In the book of Hebrews, and we've looked at this verse before kind of at a different angle, but in the book of Hebrews, he's kind of writing to the church all these different things, and as he begins to close it out, he says this, and look at the purpose to the relationships. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. That's saying there's a purpose in saying, let's grow together. Let's continue to deepen in our faith together. Let's love Jesus together. Let's hold fast to that together. That's a purpose. If you gather with friends and say, let's, let's pursue Jesus together. Let's get to know him. That builds friendship because there's something beyond the relationship. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Look, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's a purpose in the relationship. They're not just saying, let's be really close friends. They're saying, let's be committed to something beyond ourselves that in the effect of that deepens the friendship. If we're committed to saying, let's hold fast to the confession. Look, some of your closest friends, they're going to happen because you say to them, let's grow. Let's follow Jesus together. Let's, I, man, I want you to help me and I want to help you. That develops friendship because there's something beyond the relationship. The people that you say, let's consider how to stir each other up. Let's be a part of doing good works. Let's be a part of God's mission. Let's do that together. That builds friendship. Here's how C.S. Lewis said it. He said, that's why, and this is not my words, he's a little harsh, but he says, that's why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the same truth, would be, I see nothing, and I don't care about the truth. I only want a friend. No friendship can arise. Though affection, of course, may, there would be nothing for the friendship to be about, and friendship must be about something. If you want friends, it has to be about something. It has to have a purpose. Do your relationships have this? Do your friendships have this? They need this. Your marriage needs this. Your friendships need this. Without this, it won't ultimately last very long. So let me ask you what this means for you. 
we're going to talk about a couple other things, but just assess yourself on this. Do you not have any relationships? Do you not have any friendships? This is where you start. This is where you start. Or, or maybe you've got them. Where do they need to grow? Do they need to grow in consistency? Do they need to grow in having a purpose to them? Do they need to grow in you shifting your mind to, to saying, okay, I need to keep loving people, not just go, do I click? Do they need to, sh- where do they need to shift? Where do they need to shift and, and grow? I want you to think about that and think about what it looks like to move forward. But I also want to answer this question, which is what gets in the way of this kind of friendship? And I think there's two things. There could be a lot of things, again, but I think there's kind of two primary things. One of them, and they're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. You want to have this kind of friendship. You want to have this deeper friendship. I think there's two things that get in the way. One is God has this vision for friendship for us. God has this vision of relationships built on purpose and consistency and love and, and, and initiate. I mean, God, that's God's vision for us, but some of us settle. Some of us settle. Here's what Proverbs says. It says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now look what he's saying. There's some of you that maybe have a lot of different companions. And that might even be our tendency. It's to say, I've got a lot of different relationships. I've got a lot of different people. And, and what's a companion? I mean, that can be a lot of different things. It can be somebody that, man, this is my drinking buddy. This is who I play with on the weekends. This is who, we, who I hike with. It can just be a, a little bit more of a superficial relationship. He says, you might have a lot of companions, but the vision that God has for us is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A friend that is all these things that we talked about, that's loving at all times, that's, that's faithful in and out, that continues to initiate. That, and so I, I don't know how many people this really applies to, but, but I know it does some because I know it can be a tendency of ours is to say, you know what, I don't really care if my relationships have a purpose to them. I don't really care if it's built on kind of this, this um, you know, initiating, pursuing. I don't really care about that. I just want kind of some people to hang out with. This will get in the way of the vision of friendship that God has for you, and it might not hurt right now, but it'll hurt later. See, because you need friends before you need them. You need friends before you need them. This is what it said in the verse of, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but in the moment, he's got a lot of companions. But superficial friendships in the end will lead to ruin. And maybe this is what gets in the way for you is just, are you settling? Are you content with what you have? And let me tell you this, you're missing out. You're missing out on the deeper vision of friendship that God intends for you. But second of what gets in the way, and I think even more popular in the church as an option, is that we have these expectations of friendship. We have ideas about community. We have ideas about the church. We have ideas about what it's supposed to look like and what a loving community is supposed to be. We've got these ideas that are kind of in our mind, and and we might love community, the idea of it. But it doesn't mean we love the actual people that are in our community. We can love the idea of friendship and, oh man, and a lot of times it's once I find that person, once I find that group, once I connect with them, and we, we might, man, we, you might love community in the church, and, but you don't necessarily love the people right in front of you. It's like saying I love humanity, but not the human that's right there. Here's how an author and pastor named Bonhoeffer said it. He said, every human wish dream that's injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community. 
Look, if you've got this dreams and ideas and ideals of this is community and inject that into your community, it's a hindrance. And it must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself, he who loves his dream of the community more than the actual people in front of him becomes a destroyer of the latter even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. You might not be intending to do that, but it's what happens. Because when we love community more than the people in front of us, this is what happens. We, we begin to judge other people. You're not loving me the way you're supposed to. You're not acting like the church is supposed to be. You're not living up to this. Or what happens is we just crush people with our expectations. We say, here's what loving community is supposed to be. And if people don't meet that, we, we, we just crush, we need them to be more than any human could be. This happens in romantic relationships where you, you know, watch a bunch of things or listen to a bunch of songs and you're like, oh, this is what a romantic relationship is supposed to be. And then if somebody's not meeting up to that, you're like, haven't you read Nicholas Sparks? You know, what, <laughs> love me, you know. But it can happen in friendship too. It can happen in friendship as well. Here's uh, another author. His name is Henry Nowen. And he says it like this. He had this really close friendship where he began to see this take place in his life. He says, among my many friends, one had been able to touch me in a way I had never been touched before. Our friendship encouraged me to allow myself to be loved and cared for with greater trust and confidence. It was a totally new experience for me and it brought immense joy and peace. That's a beautiful lock during my youth and most of my adult life. But this deeply satisfying friendship became the road to my anguish because soon I discovered that the enormous space that had been opened for me could not be filled by the one who had opened it. I became possessive, needy, and dependent. And when the friendship finally had to be interrupted, I fell apart. I felt abandoned, rejected, and betrayed. No friend or lover no husband or wife, no community or commune will be able to put to rest our deepest cravings for unity and wholeness. And by burdening others with those divine expectations, we might inhibit the expression of free friendship and invoke instead feelings of inadequacy and weakness. It's sad to see how sometimes people suffering from loneliness, often deepened by the lack of affection in their immediate family circle, search for a final solution for their pains and look at a new friend or a new lover or a new community with messianic expectations. See, this, I think, is one of the biggest things that gets in the way of developing the kind of friendship that God desires for us. And so let me close with this. What can help us experience this kind of friendship then? We've got this vision that God has for us of what friendship is we want to be the friends that we want to be, and yet we don't want to crush our friends with our expectations or settle for, okay, I just have a bunch of companions. So what can help us actually experience this? Because maybe you feel sad. You go, I want those kind of friends, but I don't have them. Or maybe you feel guilty because you go, if that's what a good friend is, I'm, I'm really slacking. We want better friends. We want to be better friends. So what can help us? And the answer, Henry Nouwen pointed to it. He says, we look at a community with messianic expectations, but what that means is we need to look to the Messiah to actually give us what we often look for in our friends. You see, what can help you is if you have a friend, a friend like this that we talked about. You know what Jesus says? He says this, greater has, 
greater love has no one than this. This is right before Jesus is going to the cross. He's, he's looking at his friends and he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus looks at you. He looks at me. He looks at those disciples and he says, you're my friends. See, if we want to become a different kind of friend, that actually has the power to love our friends in the way that we are called to and and yet doesn't burden them and need from them more than they could ever possibly give, if we want that, we need to be experiencing a deeper kind of friendship from him. And Jesus is the best friend that, maybe that sounds trite, but it really is true. Look, Look, what is a friend? A friend is someone that loves at all times. And Jesus says, no greater love. Look, I, you, you want a friend that isn't just trying to find a friend, but is doing love to somebody? Jesus says, I, I'm the friend that's done the greatest act of love that there ever is. And Jesus died for you in your place for your sins, to forgive you, to, to bring you into his family. Jesus says, no greater love. Look, a friend is someone that loves at all times. And Jesus says, I've loved you. I've loved you in the deepest way possible. A friend is someone that's always there, that's consistent, that's building, that's with you, that's putting, you know, man, what does Jesus say? He says, I'm with you always. And even in this passage, Jesus says that he wants us to abide in his love. This is so much better than just Jesus forgiving us. Jesus says, I want to be deeply connected to you. I want you to live, always be in my love. In the same passage again, he, he talks about our relationship like a vine connected to a tree, like a branch connected to a tree. You know what? That's, that's consistency. Jesus is saying, I want you to be connected to me, with me, always. And a friend is someone that initiates, that pursues. Again, in this same passage, just a little bit later, Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. See, maybe you long for the friend that would initiate with you. Maybe you long for the friend that would choose you. Maybe you've never been chosen. And Jesus says, I'm the kind of friend that chooses you. I'm the friend that chooses you even when you're far from me, that chooses you even when there's nothing great about you. But I say, I want you as my friend. And a friendship, a friend is, a friendship is one that has purpose to it. Do you know that Jesus actually invites us in to have a relationship of purpose with him, to be a part of his mission? He says, I want you on my team. Jesus says, I want you on my team. And that's actually even what furthers and deepens our friendship with him. The more we say, I want to join you, Jesus, we develop deeper friendship with him. See, if you want to be a different kind of friend, and if you want to be able to approach your friends with a heart that doesn't crush them, you need this kind of friend. So that it fills your soul, and you've got that need met, and you're able to learn how to actually give that kind of friendship to others. When we, when we take communion, what we remember is exactly what Jesus said, that no greater love has a friend that he would lay down his life, that his body would be broken, that his blood would be shed. I want you to have friends. I want you to have deep friendship. But maybe, maybe you're lonely, and I want you to know that Jesus says, this is what I did to make you my friend. And maybe you've got a lot of friends, and you want to grow to be better, and Jesus says, I want you to receive my friendship, and it changes you. So even as you come and take communion, think about today, 
even as you just walk up here, just say, Jesus, thank you that this is the kind of friend you are to me. Thank you that this is what you would do to make me your friend. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to us, that you gave him to us to be our friend. I pray that you would continue to teach us what what friendship looks like, that we would be better friends. God, forgive us for being bad friends. Forgive us for crushing our friends with expectations or even settling in a disobedient way in what you actually call us to in friendships. Help us, even as we worship, as we take communion, to receive your friendship anew in our hearts. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.